We're in a series of messages right now called Together, and what we're learning is about the power of community, and when we do things together, we really can bring change in our world, and they, this team of people, are great examples of that very thing. And being together, we find a place of belonging. It's also in being with others that we find our sense of purpose, and that purpose is to help other people who are around us, and we are to do this together. The health of the community that we're in has a lot to do with the effectiveness that we have in our ability to bring change in our world. If we're a healthy community, then we can do great things for God. But if we're an unhealthy community, then we aren't able to do really what God would have us do. And I'm so grateful that we're here in a church that's healthy, that really has a longing to reach out and touch the hearts and lives of people. But we have to make sure that we remain in this condition. So that's what we started learning about last week. And I want to remind you about what we learned last week and continue on with that message. That's why on your outline, there's a lot of the information that's already filled in, that filled in stuff. It's what I talked about last week, and I'm going to go over that to catch everybody uh, uh, else up, and then we're going to learn some new things today. We're learning this from something that Jesus had to say. So let's take a look at that. We find it in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 23. It says this, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So what do we learn from this? The first thing last week that we learned was is that we need to belong. All of us are longing to belong. And God wants us to belong to his community to his family. In fact, he referred to his family in a certain way, and we read it again in verse 23. My father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. God refers to this family as home. Why is this important? This is what we learned on your outline. It's already there for you. We need a place that feels like home. All of us are looking for that. So what causes a place to feel like home? One thing is this, we learned that we need a place where people know us. When we're in a place where people do really know us, it begins to have this feeling for us. They know our names. They also know our needs. In other words, where we need help in our life. They also know our motivations. They know things about us, what makes us tick, what it is that we're trying to accomplish in our lives. They know that about us. But they also know what our motivations should be because they can see what our motivations are. And if they're not where they should be, they're there to help us to have the right motivation to experience the life that really God wants us to have. That's what it's like to be in a place called home. There's something else that this home does. We need a place where people protect us. And what that means is simply this. We need a community of people who have our backs. And when we know people have our backs, we feel like we're home. So why does this happen? It happens because something has happened between us. We made an attachment. That was the second thing that I talked to you about last week. We all need an attachment. There are different things that cause us to attach 
to each other. Uh, it might be our interests cause us to have an attachment. We're right now at the beginning of the football season, so a lot of people are attached because of their love for their same team. There are other things that attach us. It might be that we have a love for the same hobby. If I like tennis or sailing or swimming or whatever it is and you like it, there's, there's an attachment there. And some of those attachments based on interest are really surface level attachments, even though we know some things about them. But the hope is that those attachments would become deeper attachments. And that's really what we need. We need a deeper sense of attachment. And God created us in that way. In fact, we learned last week that God literally created our body in such a way that we would attach to other people or to things in this world. In fact, we learned about the brain last week a little bit, that God created our brain, and the greatest force in the brain is attachment. It's the strongest force in the brain. It's attachment. We're constantly looking and thinking and processing what's going around us to, to figure out what we can attach to. And it might be some thing, some object that we attach to. I like that. I want that. So I get attached to it. Or it might be a person that we get attached to. As a matter of fact, that is the strongest form of attachment. Now, the reason why this is important, it's because whatever we attach ourselves to, Whatever becomes important to us and we cling onto and it becomes a part of our life, those things we attach to become the soil that causes us to grow. And I used last week the example of the plant. This has come back a couple of times over the last uh, several weeks, and I'm going to bring it back again today. And what I shared with you was that we are like the plant, and that plant grows, and that plant grows because of the soil, what it's attached to. The plant gets nutrients from the soil and it causes us to become what it becomes. That's the way it is for us. Whatever we attach to becomes the soil or the nutrients that cause us to become what we become. Now we can become one of two types of people. I can become a person, a plant, okay? I can become a person that cares about myself. And this type of person attaches to things that they want that will make their life better. So they attach them, themselves to things in the world that they feel like will make them life better. A nicer car, a nicer house, a nicer job, whatever it may be. And they attach to that and cling to it because they feel this about themselves. It's about me. So it affects their character. That's really what this is. The plant really represents the type of character that develops within us. So a person who cares about themselves develops a very self-centered type of character. But then there's another type of person, and that person is someone who cares about themselves. We should care about ourselves, y'all. I mean, it's not a bad thing to care about ourselves. God created us. But we care about other people as much as we care about ourselves. And in fact, when we have to choose, we're willing to make sacrifices of ourselves for the benefit of other people. We care really about others even more than, our, than ourselves at times. That's the way we're supposed to be. The person who cares about others more than themselves in this way is not a selfish person. They are a selfless person. So you can either be a selfish plant or you can be a selfless plant, a person of that type of character. Well, why would you be that kind of person? 
It's because of the attachments that you've made in your life that have led you to be that type of person. So instead of me attaching to things and objects or things that I can use to make my life better, what I do is I attach to people. Y'all, this is exciting right here. Are you ready for it? The strongest form of attachment, even though attachment is the strongest force in the brain, the strongest type of attachment force is relationships. God created us that way. So instead of me attaching to things that are only benefiting me, I attach to other people, and those relationships begin to develop me into a person who cares about people and someone who can make a difference in this world. That's how it all works. There's a name for this type of attachment. We learned it last week, it's called hest. We need to be hest, and hest is a Hebrew term uh, which has to do with our connecting together with other people, and the actual term literally means this, an enduring covenant love. So when I attach to someone, I attach to them because I love them, I care about them. That's the type of attachment I have for other people. When you look at this word hest, not only does it mean uh, uh, love, it means a great type of love. In fact, we pick up on that where we see this in the Old Testament used. In Lamentations chapter three, because of the Lord's great love, that word for great love is hest in its original text. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. Another way to translate Hest is not only great love, but it's loyal kindness. So let me put it this way. It's a love, y'all, this is awesome. It's a love where somebody has your back. And isn't that what we just learned about feeling at home? We feel at home when we feel like somebody has our back. So what does that love look like? A love where somebody has your back treats us in certain ways. This is the way God treats us and it's the way we're supposed to be treating other people. And that's what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 13. He described this love to us. Love is patient, love is kind. That is a very selfless type of love. It, it, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. I love it that he used these not phrases because he tells us we're the opposite of this. So remember, we can be two types of people. We can be a selfless Character plant, selfless, putting other people first, or we can put ourselves first. If we're putting ourselves first, it's almost like Paul is describing to us what our life looks like if we're putting ourselves first. We do envy, we do boast, we are proud, we do dishonor, we are not, we do live a life where we're self-seeking, we are easily angered, we do keep records of wrong, we do delight in other people's failures. He said, we're not to be any of those things. If I'm a selfish character, I'm doing some of those things. Y'all, there might be some conviction going on in this room right now because it's coming this way. Are you hearing it? It's easy for me to find myself where I'm doing things that aren't right. And the moment I don't do that, I no longer have people's backs. And this is what he said. He said it always, 
that it, we don't rejoice uh, with, with evil, right? But it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. That love never fails. The reason why we maintain hope is because we know someone is always there for us to protect us. So what binds us together? When we become this type of person, I mentioned to you before that you know some, uh, some relationships, some attachments are formed on interest, and this is what binds us. People become our interest. That's what we wrote last week, that people become our interest, that we're interested in other people that God created, that we care about them. That's who we're connected to. So the question is, is that who we are? Well, what else do we learn? New information, my brothers and sisters, number three. We need the right foundation. We need to build our lives on something. When we think about a foundation, we can think about a building that we would build the building on. Well, let's think about our home. We need to build our home or our community on a solid foundation. And, and what that means basically for us is there are certain things that cause us to be strong in our foundation. What are those things? Well, this is what we all need. Now, it might be the last thing you would think that I would say that we would need, but because I don't like the thought of it myself. But this is what literally all of us need. I want you to write this down. We need rules. Does that not just stress you out just hearing it? We need rules. We need rules because rules tell us where the boundaries are of the foundation. If I start building off of the foundation of the boundary, the house is going to fall, right? It's going to be weak. But if I stay in the foundation within the rules, then I will be solid in who it is that I am. Now, why do I say that we build them on the rules? Because that's what Jesus basically said. This is the original scripture that I started with today. It said this in verse 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will, listen, obey my teaching. Like I've told you these things that you're to do, the rules, obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. We need these rules. So what are the rules? You look in the Bible and we see lots of rules. In fact, many of them come in the form of commandments. God knew we needed rules, so he gave us rules way back when Moses was around. Remember, he gave us the Ten Commandments, and those commandments were important because it laid the foundation of these are the lines that you are to live your life within. And I've shared this with you many times if you've been here over the years, that those Ten Commands really are organized in two basic commands. The first four commands are all about loving God. You look at the first four commands, they're all about loving God. If you look at the next six commands, they're all about loving people. So let's just write that down, okay? Here's the rules. The rules are to love God and love people. Now, when Jesus was here, people were wanting to know the same information, okay? What is it that I'm supposed to live by? And some people were trying to use it against Jesus, but they were trying to figure out what is the most important thing for me to do? I've shared this passage with you before as well, but look at what it says. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment uh, in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus just said basically what we just talked about. 
if you look at all the commandments, you just bring them down to two commands. They're either love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, or it's to love your neighbor as yourself. That command is like it. And then he made the statement, right? All of the commands. In other words, every command God ever gave and everything that he inspired the prophets to say to us, as far as instruction, hang on these two commands. So let me just tell you what the rules are for the home. To love God and to love people. Y'all, we need rules for the home. You see, the reason why, I mean, just think about your own home. When I was growing up, we had rules for my home. When my kids were little, we had rules for the home. And there were important rules. The reason why we had rules for the home is because the rules helped to protect who we were together. Let me say that again. The reason why we had rules for the home is because those rules protected who we were together. If you break the rule, you hurt who we are together. You break up the home because you put yourself before other people and now you've caused harm instead of helping people around us. So this is what it is with our home, with God. It's the same thing. We are protecting who we are together as a part of God's home, that we love God and we love people. And we do it in a certain way. In fact, he said, with our heart, soul, and mind. Now, before I get into that part of it, I want to remind you of something I said just a few moments ago, because I talked about the home and that uh, to, to feel like home, that we, people have to know who we are. They have to know our name. They need to know our needs, where we need help. But I also said that we need, people need to know our motivation. People need to know what we're all about, what's most important to us. And they also need to know what should be most important to us. They know what we really should be living for. So if I'm living for something that I shouldn't be living for, I need people in the home who recognize that about me and help me figure that out so I can start living for what I should be living for. Does that make sense? So we need a way in which to evaluate everybody in the house. Are you ready for it? We're gonna do it just the way Jesus just said. We're to love the Lord our God, we're to love him first, with everything that we are, and it starts with our heart. On your outline sheet, it's a heart thing. We love him. We love him. So how do I know if I love God? Oh, this is good. Are you ready? I know I love God if I love who God loves. I know I love God if I love who God created. I know I love God if I love people. Okay, now it makes sense that Jesus would say that the commands are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and the second is like it. It's like he put it up on the same level. If you love God, you're gonna love who God loves, and God loves people. So you treat people in a loving way. We just learned how to treat people in a loving way in 1 Corinthians 13, right? That we're patient, that we're kind, we... We have their backs. That's who it is that we are. And if we don't have their backs, what happens is we start living for ourselves. Jesus said it this way. He said this, that anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. That's what he said in verse 24. Anybody who obeys, uh, who, who does not obey me, they're not gonna 
they're not going to obey my teachings. And all of his teachings were about what it is we do for the good of other people. So it's a heart thing. So I need to ask a question. Who is most important? I need to ask the question, who do you care about the most? I need to ask the question, who's first? Who's first in your life? Is it God? Now, the way we can tell who's first is our time tells us that. We spend time with the people that we love or whatever we love. We spend our energies on what we love because we want to promote whatever it is that we love or whoever we love. We spend our money on whatever it is that we love. And there are some practical things that we can look at that immediately tell us what we really love the most because our behaviors are telling us that. If you don't know what it is, just ask somebody close to you and they can probably tell you what it is for you, right? Because a lot of times people notice it about us because they see how you're spending your life. I got a feeling you probably already understand what it is. If it's God, then you're investing your life in people. If you're not investing your life in people, then something else has become your God. We're loving the wrong thing. Second thing was not only with our heart, but with our soul. It's what we believe, right? It's what we would believe deep down. My soul says this. It's what I trust in. I believe deep down this is what life should be about. I've talked about this many times as well. We can just narrow it down. I know it seems so simplistic, but we'll just narrow it down to two different paths, pathways. I believe my life is about what I get. From a selfish character, my life is about what I get or my life is about what I give from a selfless character. It's one of those two pathways. Okay, so this is really cool. So I need to ask the question, I, I need to know something about people in the community. What do you believe life is all about? Do you believe it's about what you get or do you believe it about, it's about what you give? I mean, the evidence is around us, but what do you really believe about life? And if they don't believe the right thing, that we can help them. My life is about what I get, or my life is, a what, is about what I give. Which one should it be? Anybody have any clue which one it should be, right? Oh, we're at church. We know the right answer. But it's supposed to be that way all the time. Okay, now here's the really cool thing. Wherever our heart is and whatever we believe in and place our trust in affects the way we think. I don't believe it's by any accident whatsoever that Jesus said to love the Lord your God with your heart. He said heart first, with your soul. He said soul second, and then he mentioned your mind, with your mind. So what we think. So I think about this. It, let's put it together. What I care about with my heart and what I believe in my soul determines who I am as a person. That's what my life's about. I love this the most, and I believe this about life. And those two things, my passion and my purpose, come together to affect my thinking. That's the way it works. So whatever I'm passionate about, I do things to protect what I'm passionate about. Whatever I believe is the most important, I will do things to support what I believe is most important. That's what I'll do. So therefore, I have to think to protect and I have to think to support. You know, I know it's kind of heavy and deep, but isn't that true? That's what I have to think about. 
So my problem is, I've started thinking about the wrong things. And the moment I start thinking about the wrong things, oh no, I have formed attachments with something other than what God wants me to attach to. And I have begun receiving nutrients and things from the world that have caused me to turn in to the plant that I am. That's who I am. So how in the world do we change all of this? How in the world do things become different for us? Well, this is how it happens. It's number four on our outline sheet. We need to grow closer together. I need to attach to the right things. So if I love God, I love people. So if I haven't been loving people, I've got to figure out a way to love people. So how does this happen? Well, let me give you a a way in which this happens. This is what is actually instruction that Paul gave us uh, in 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12, it says this, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all of his holy ones. This is what he just said. You need to increase your love for other people. And then he said this, you need to change your heart. Your heart needs to be more connected to those people around us. That's where it's all about. It's about our heart. Okay, doesn't it all start with our heart? This is how it works. This is how we start loving more people. Let's write it down. It says this, we need a love that increases. And that love that increases needs to be a love for people. How does that love increase? It's all about time. It increases with time. Why? Because when I spend time with something, I attach to something. I'll give you a practical example of it. If you want to buy a car... Or, or if you, or if you uh, are thinking about buying a car and you go to car dealerships a lot to look at cars, here's the deal. There's a really good chance you're going to buy a car because you're spending time with a car. And y'all, people who are trying to sell you a car, they know how to sell you a car. They're great salespeople. They get you attached through the senses. They're trying to form attachments between you and people. Y'all, if you're salespeople, I'm sorry I'm out on you, but here it goes. Are you ready? They're trying to get you attached through your senses. They get you to sit in the car so you can feel the leather seats. They get you to smell the new car smell. They will turn on the radio so you can hear the great sound system, right? They'll get you to do all of these things. They do everything they possibly can do except get you to lick the car so that you'll buy the car, right? Isn't that true? And some of you, you're thinking, oh, my soul, that is a great idea. Grape-flavored Mustangs. That's awesome. Okay, that's a great Why do they do that? Because they're getting you attached to something that you'll buy. But why are you attached? Because you spent the time with that product to get attached to it. That's where it started. It begins with our time. So we choose where we spend our time. We choose where to use our time. So what we have to do is we have to choose to spend our time with the right thing. And the right thing is not a thing at all. We need to choose to to spend our time with the right attachment and the right attachment is people. Let me just say again, 
Our attachments are the soil that cause us to grow. So what we're going to do today is something fun. We're going to create our own soil. Does that sound good? Okay. Just give you a little practical lesson here. We're going to create this soil. You can use another stool, jar for soil. It's got some unique things that go in the soil. First of all, ping pong balls, okay? It's not a really usual soil kind of thing. Okay, there you go. Is it full? It's full, okay. It's full of ping pong balls, okay? So we need something else for our soil. So we're going to add some pebbles fresh off of the fire pit. Okay. Going to add some pebbles. So we're going to do this. Oh, doesn't it sound cool? Let's shake it. More pebbles. Okay. Cool. Is it full? Okay. Yeah. Some of you are on to me. One final thing, sand. We're going to use this, and it doesn't work, okay? I thought it would work well, but you use sand. Oh, wait, no, it's going down. Oh, wait, oh, my soul. There you go. Sand. We have now created our soil. All of us have the same soil. Let's think about it. The ping pong balls represent people, the relationships. Could be your family, could be your friends, could be your coworkers, any, any people that you know in your circle of influence, they're people. The pebbles are the other things that you become passionate about in life that you get connected to. Remember, these are attachments we get connected to. We get connected to our house. You know, we want a nice house. We do things to get a bigger house or a nicer house. Our car, our boat, our job, you know, any of those type of things. That's where the pebbles are. And then the sand, it's the small stuff. It might be hobbies and other things that we fill our time with. I'll give you a really good example of a small stuff thing. Social media. Do I have a witness out there from anybody, right? Do we spend time in social media? Social media. So we do all this and we fill this this up and this becomes our soil. Now here's the deal. All of us are made up of these three things. Our time is made up of these three things. The problem happens in the order in which you put things in. If you put the small stuff in and the other passions you have in your life, the material things in your life, you put all that stuff in first and fill your life up with those things, there's no room for the ping pong balls. There's no room. Or there's not enough room for the number of relationships that we need in our life. And because of that, our soil causes a change in who we are. If you remove the ping pong balls, because we filled our life up with the small things, we filled our life up with the pebbles, we've done those kind of things, then what happens is it leads to a selfish character plant because I use those two things to benefit me. I mean, think about it. Y'all, this is so, how many times have you gone to a restaurant, saw families sitting together at the table all on their cell phones? Do I have a witness out there? Okay, let's get real. Was it you? 
Okay, y'all, I'm raising my hand. I've done that. Oh, y'all, you're not being honest. Yeah, it's just like... I've done that very thing, right? We fill our time, and instead of taking time to connect with each other, we're connecting to the interweb or whatever it is. We have to put people in first. So this is what I'm going to challenge you to do today, okay? I'm going to challenge you to empty your jar, and I'm going to challenge you to think about the people that are most important to you And I'm going to challenge you to pray for those people who are most important to you and put them in your jar and make a commitment that you're going to spend time with those people first. Y'all, you got to have a house to live in. You you can get on social media. Y'all, I feel like such a hypocrite. I saw this on Instagram. Y'all, this is... I am a hypocrite. But I just look at social media for my own personal spiritual growth. And <laughs> fill your jar with people and then start adding the other things and then see what happens to your plant. What will happen? Last thing. I know we're out of time. Y'all got out early last week. The dream remains, right? The dream remains. So what do we need to do? We need to love that overflows. This is what the scripture said. It talked about not only that we need to increase our love, but we need a love that overflows for each other. So what does that mean? That means we have a love that leads us to do things for other people, to help other people. You can tell who you really serve in times of stress and difficulty. There are three different types of people. I love this, it's very practical. On your outline sheet, there are those who help in difficult times, When times are difficult, are you willing to get in there and help people who are struggling because they don't have enough food, that you're the food bank or you're doing this or you're doing that, whatever? You're a person who helps in time of need. You're that type of person. Second type of person are those who leave in difficult times. Those are the people who just bug out. Those are the people who I know it's difficult, but I don't have time for you. Why? Because my plant is selfish. And there's our third one. Y'all, this is a really great one. Are you ready for it? There are those who put us in difficult times, right? Those are the people who are causing us problems and difficulties in life because we become self-centered. When we get these things right, then something else happens. It's the last thing on your sheet and we're done. The worship team is about to push me off the stage. Do you see them back there? They're lingering. I see them. We need a love that expands. We need a love that expands. Paul said this, a love that overflows to you and everyone else. Who's everyone else? The everyone else are the people who aren't in the family yet. This is what I've learned. If you can't show love to people in your own home, it's really hard for you to show love to people outside your home. And when we get things right, showing love to each other in the home, we want to show love to other people outside the home to invite them to be part of God's family. If you're a Christian today, aren't you glad that somebody told you about Jesus? Amen? Aren't you glad?